0: Welcome to another episode of the audaciousness podcast with me, Helen Strong and me, Maribel Ortega.
1: In this podcast, we showcase individuals who have set themselves bold and audacious goals and have worked to achieve them with the aim of inspiring others to also set themselves audacious goals and to create a positive movement in the world.
0: We'd like to highlight the fact that even regular people like you and me can have audacious goals and that role models are, in fact, all around us. Each and every one of us can have an impact in some way. Thank you so much for listening. We're delighted to have you with us. So,
1: Maribel, tell us about the guest we're going to hear from today. Sure, Helen. Today, our conversation is with Rebecca Allen, who's a career coach uh, from the UK. But this woman has been everywhere, literally everywhere. For this conversation, she uh, spoke with me uh, from Sydney. Unfortunately, you weren't able to, to join that day. And... It was an interesting experience to be interviewing her on my own.
0: I'm glad you're here back. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't feeling too well that day. So you spoke to her on your own. We'll listen to the interview now with Rebecca, and then we'll come back in half an hour to talk about what we learned. So here's Rebecca Allen now, and we hope you enjoy the interview.
1: Welcome back to other episodes of the audacious Net podcast. And today we have with us Rebecca, and I'm really very excited to have you with us, Rebecca. Would you like to start telling us what you do, who you are, and a little bit of your audacious activities in your life?
2: I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Maribel, and also Helen. I would love to introduce myself. So, I mean, my name is Rebecca Allen. I'm in my 40s, my mid-40s, and I live in Sydney. I'm English, but I've traveled all over the place in my lifetime. I actually grew up in Hong Kong, so I was born in the UK, but when I was very small, we moved to um, Hong Kong, and I lived there until I was 18, so I did all my schooling in Hong Kong, and then I moved back to the UK and um, I studied there I did my university study there and I worked also in London and then I decided that I had to go traveling It was one of those things I had to do so I did this huge kind of travel for a year and um, learned awful lot about myself I'm sure we're going to come back to all this stuff in a bit and I ended up settling in Sydney so um, for the last 10 years actually 13 years now I've been running my own business I'm a career success coach for corporate women, working in finance, working in um, consulting industries, and also in STEM. And yeah, I kind of focus my energies now on, on personal branding and really helping people bring out their authentic selves as they lead. And I think that a lot of the work that I do comes from the journey that I've been through from a personal perspective... Um, which which kind of stems really from the amount of travel that I've done and working I think in different countries and I've really seen how incredibly powerful multiculturalism is in terms of rounding people you know making people more um, self-aware making people more accepting of others more tolerant um, and embracing one another embracing each other's strengths and um, backgrounds and I've and I kind of see that as you know something that stemmed from all of that travel that I've done. And it's something that I think has shaped the way I kind of look at the world now and the, how I look at my business, my work, my life, You know how I play, the adventures that I go on. And I really think that that kind of acceptance and that embracing of everyone and everyone's uh, values and, and backgrounds is a really huge part of that.
1: Amazing. That sounds uh, really incredible. Thanks a lot for sharing all that. So you've done lots of audacious things. And if I asked you, I'm gonna challenge you. Do you think th- that you could choose which is the one thing of all the audacious things that you've done that you'd say, Pooh, that was that was really the most audacious one? I had to overcome lots of inner criticism or fears or
2: I don't know, obstacles to get to that. Sure. It's a very, very interesting question. I'm not sure I can choose one, to be honest. I, th- You know, there's been a lot and lot of things that have happened in my life. Most of it um, that I have dictated. Um, I'm a big believer in creating your own outcomes. So nothing kind of really happens by chance with me. It's kind of like you create your own luck. You make your own Um, path you know you decide your own outcomes you decide on the relationships you have you decide on relationships you end and those are kind of very much part of my philosophy I think and I think I've kind of always had the view that you've got you know control you've got control over what you choose you've got control over what you choose to do and what you choose not to do for example Maribel one of the things that I've been told many times is that I'm lucky And I think that's a really interesting concept because it comes across mostly when people find out that I live in in Sydney, for example, you're so lucky to live in Sydney. But the thing that's interesting about living in Sydney is you have to do a lot of queuing up immigration offices, you have to fill in a lot of forms, you have to have a lot of interviews to actually get that opportunity. It doesn't just happen. It's not luck. You have to make that thing happen. So I'm not really a big believer in this concept of luck. I really think that you have to make your own outcomes happen. So if I was to pick one thing that kind of was a really kind of uphill challenge, if you like, I could go through, um, you know, moving jobs, uh, which is pretty common for a lot of people. I've done a massive career transition, for example, from advertising into coaching and setting up my own business, which is kind of two things. Becoming an entrepreneur was another huge learning curve and still is. It continues to be. Um, living in different countries, living in Asia, living in Australasia, traveling all over Africa. Um, One that I actually, the one that kind of pops out is hypnobirthing as well. I decided I wanted to natural birth my two kids. And, um, you know, I've seen all these kind of programs on TV around women having problems with, um, you know, feeling terrified with birth. And I just thought this can't be normal. I remember like when I was very small being at a friend's house and her dog was giving birth to puppies and I remember sitting there really mesmerized I was about eight or nine as this this dog just kept on popping puppy out of you know she has something like six or seven puppies and she was just lying there like really relaxed and then when I was a bit older I also saw a cow give birth I was working on a farm and I saw this cow give birth and again it was that same kind of very calm relaxed thing and I thought Hang on, like animals seem to be doing this really in a really relaxed way. Like, what's that all about? So, I started reading about that. And I decided when I was going to have children, that's what I wanted to try and do. And I know not everyone can do very calm, natural birthing, and there are all sorts of complications that can happen. But I was of the view if I can, I will, that's what I'm going to do. And I did. And I had these two incredible children and very, very relaxed, very calm, almost, you know, comatose, (laughs) just so relaxed. Um, And it was amazing. So that's definitely, definitely one for me doing that and kind of working on how you can kind of work on your mind and how you can work on your mindset to help you create the outcome that you really want to create. Because, you know, if you've got the vision, it has to start with some sort of vision of what it is you want. This is how it's going to be first. And then once you've got a vision, you've got some understanding of what that looks like. So I looked up loads and loads of research for that, for example, to understand what that looked like. I went on a course for it. I watched videos of women doing lots and lots of different um, versions of natural birthing and water birthing and all that kind of thing. So I just thought it's possible. I've seen people do it. It's possible. You can do it naturally. I've seen animals do it naturally. It's possible. So, you know, you kind of get that thing in your brain that I can do this too. Why not? Why not me? So that was definitely a big one that, that the birthing, the natural and water birthing twice <laughs> was a really big one for me.
1: Oh, wow. Amazing. I have lots of questions. I've made so many notes of things that I want to uh, go deeper into with you, Um, Rebecca. So you mentioned the word mindset and you mentioned the word control and the word outcome. Um, Is the mindset the thing that in all these different things, you mentioned career transition, living in different countries, uh, childbirth, is is that the mindset the most important thing or are there other aspects that we need to work on in order to have control of the outcomes?
2: It's an interesting question. I think you have to have just this belief in yourself that you you're worthy of this thing. You know, why not me? I think I said that earlier. Why not me? Why can this not be me? You know, why does this have to be somebody else? You know, and I, that's something that I, I hear in my coaching practice. I hear women say that to me, you know, this, this success doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people, for example, mm-hmm. but I, I really don't believe in that concept. I believe if you believe that you're deserving of an outcome, you know, then why not? All you have to do is just think about what the steps are. I will start with that kind of vision of what is it I actually want? How do I want the kind of ultimate thing to be? And this is like, I want to have this beautiful birth or I want to have this life in this particular country. And then you kind of work out the steps that are needed to make that thing happen. It's like just running a little project, basically. And I think you have to be really curious too about learning about that. You have to be curious about learning those steps, you have to be curious about what you know, What could go wrong, you have to be curious about what success looks like in the outcome, and sort of like do a kind of project around it. It's like a, I'm learning more and more about this thing. And the more you learn, the less scary it seems. I think that's the reality. We let our fears kind of overtake us when we don't have enough information in our hands. And that fear becomes the knowledge rather than the knowledge becoming the knowledge. So you make your decision based on fear and not doing something rather than basing your decision based on the facts or the research that you've done by doing that kind of curiosity phase. That's kind of how I look at it.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's really interesting. I, I, I particularly like what the question that you ask yourself. Why not me? So sounds to me like this fee- to feel that you are deserving of a particular outcome is what makes or breaks things happening to you and you uh getting on that journey to to get to those outcomes what if i don't feel deserving how can you change that
2: yeah that's a really good question it's a huge question and i think the truth is, I think I've grown up in an environment where everything was possible. I grew up in Hong Kong, as I mentioned briefly. Mm-hmm. And Hong Kong's one of those really dynamic, well, it was in the 80s when I was growing the, up there in the 90s. It's one of those really dynamic environments where success was really celebrated. So, you know, people were encouraged to do well academically, people were encouraged to do well financially, people were encouraged to, you know, put up a skyscraper if they wanted to people pushed for like success in their careers and they also pushed for success in their personal lives. It was kind of like the play hard, work hard concept. So I was surrounded by that growing up. And for me, you know, I was extremely fortunate from that perspective because, you know, our family could travel around Asia a lot. So I got a really good perspective of all different cultures and how people do things and how things happen and how cultures are so different. And I think it kind of just makes you realize that this is obviously a kind of a, um, a first world economy if that's what you want to describe it as where things can happen and it's sort of just if you work really hard you can make really good outcomes happen for yourself it's possible you know there are people all around you doing it and I think that environmental influence has a massive impact just like Having parents who are very, very encouraging, which is exactly what I had,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, that's a, a means of building that sort of sense of self-worth. Like you're talking about, am I deserving of this? I had people jeing me up. I had people saying, you know, Rebecca, you know, the world's your oyster. You can do whatever it is you want to do. You know, you're a smart girl and all those sorts of things. And I'm very aware that a lot of people don't have that kind of, that kind of kind of encouragement when they're growing mm-hmm. up or those role models around them. But, you know, I suppose if that's you, the question is, is if you want to make something happen that's different in your life, whatever that might be, then the first step is to say, I do deserve this. I am worthy of this thing. And start building up evidence, if you like, to support that belief. So it's like, why am I worthy? Well, because what I'm saying is interesting, because I've got this background, because I've got this education, whatever that education might be, because I've got this passion in this area, whatever it is. So start looking at all the kind of facets of what you actually do have, what you can offer and start building the evidence as to why you are completely worthy for whatever it is you want to put your mind to. Oh,
1: wow. I like that, that uh, approach that you're talking about to build evidence and create like something palpable that you kind of like convince yourself that, that you're worthy. Because oftentimes people who are lacking in self-worth, it's because they didn't learn it. They didn't get from caretakers or or you know the authority people in their lives in their childhood neglected them ergo I'm not worth it people don't these people who I need to connect with don't take care of me so then you start doing it yourself as an adult you start taking care of yourself or those little traumatized parts of uh, yourself it's really interesting I would love to hear more about how that career transition that you mentioned, and that it happened on two levels, because it was not only you don't didn't only change the area, but you also changed from being an employee to to having your own business. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Rebecca? Absolutely, I could talk to
2: you about that for three years, probably. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I started off my career in advertising, and I kind of, I think I sort of chased um, an interest in, you know, creating, and, I've, you know, well, creativity is one of my biggest values and my biggest passions, and I'm quite creative in lots of different aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. It's just something that just drives me. It's kind of something I'm strong at, and I find it interesting because it's a never-ending exploration. I think it connects back to curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um And I think, you know, I initially was really kind of engaged in my work in in advertising, but I kind of realized that there wasn't enough, oddly, of the creativity that I was seeking. I mean, it's obviously a creative industry, but I was an account uh, manager, essentially, and I just wasn't kind of getting the variety of opportunities that I really needed for me to sort of feel happy, for me to feel creative, for me to be thriving. Because unless you were a creative, it felt like you couldn't be a creative, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, it it wasn't kind of an encouraged concept. And that drove me a bit nuts, to be honest. So I remember sitting many times on the sort of same park bench at, at lunchtime, trying to work out what I wanted to do with myself. And I decided that I needed to focus on where I was strong. I needed to focus on where my passions were and where my energy really was. And I did a lot of my own personal development at the time anyway. And I thought, I wonder if there's a career in that. I wonder if there's money to be made from actually helping other people develop. So I kind of went on this journey of um, really understanding myself more deeply. I did a lot of training in life coaching and career coaching and organizational coaching. I then did NLP training and the more I learned, it's that curiosity thing. It's more, the more I learned, the fear kind of subsided like I was describing before. Mm. And I got more and more excited about actually doing this you know, full time. So I decided um, initially to do it part-time with my work and I kind of did it in the evenings and I built up a, you know, a bit of a few clients and um, started to get some experience and some feedback and all that sort of thing. And it was a really interesting journey in itself. And then, you know, when we moved to Sydney, I said to my husband, I said, you know, I think the time has come where I've got to just launch this thing. I think I've just got to go for it and see what's going to happen, you know, and if it doesn't work, I can always go back and get a job. And and he was very supportive, as he's always been throughout my entire career. And I just went for it. And you kind of really underestimate just how full on a shift that really is, you know, from going from basically making something that's an interest area into a business business. Because, you know, you kind of learned the skills of coaching and you're really still at the beginning of that journey. This is 13 years ago now. And then you're also trying to launch a business. And they're all different aspects because a business is sales, it's marketing, it's, um, you know, cold calling people. It's building up relationships with people whilst also doing all the coaching as well. So I realized very early on that when you start a new business, 90 percent of it is marketing. It's not coaching. It's not doing (laughs) the business itself. It's building the business. Um, and that took me a little of a while to kind of work that out. I mm-hmm. was just like, you know, this is so hard. Why is this so difficult? Um, and as time has gone on, I've obviously invested in my business. I've invested in my own training and understanding sales much more effectively, understanding how to build systems around my business, understanding automations, or just understanding uh, marketing. Um, and there's lots of different kinds of marketing now, social media marketing and email marketing mm-hmm. and um, video marketing. There's so many different things to learn. But me being me, I find that really exciting. I find that really invigorating that there's so much still to learn and it's a continuous learning curve. But how I see it is you kind of go up the learning curve, you plateau for a bit where you feel safe and like you know what you're doing and then there's another learning curve that happens very quickly and then you plateau again and then that's kind of just the personal journey that you go on, you know, as you move through. And obviously as you get bigger, then you can hire people to help you with those business functions so that you could focus more energies on the coaching and even hire people to do the coaching if you wanted to. So yeah, so it's an interesting. It's been a hugely invigorating, sometimes very scary journey, but you know, constantly thinking about the end point, constantly thinking about what am I trying to do this for? What's the big purpose? You know, and just um, you know, enjoying it. It's, it's it's a it's an amazing experience doing what we do, isn't it, Maribel? You know, helping yeah. other people to you know become their true sort of power to become their true authentic selves and to you know get the promotions and you know in my in my world it's like getting promoted and and uh you know having that presence that executive presence that you really want to have that's a life-changing skill to to learn and um that for me is massively massively gratifying um, and it's why i do what i do amazing
1: thanks uh, for all that rebecca and um for some. Who is thinking of leaving their, um, their corporate job and starting their own business? From your experience, what is the most important mindset shift that you need? Because we're talking about two different things. It sounds like it's not too big, but I have the impression that they're, they're very different. What, what do you think it, that is?
2: The mindset to move from a corporate role to an entrepreneurial role yes um there's probably a few things going on I think the fundamental thing is I think most people who move into a business from a corporate job are seeking some freedom and they're seeking some flexibility in their work and they're seeking something that they're more passionate about it tends to be I think that they're looking for something to work in an area that they're really, really genuinely passionate about and they really want to make a difference with that passion area. The thing that I think is really interesting that I very much learned is freedom is a bit of a red herring because the, the irony is, is, I think when you start your own business, and you'll know this too Maribel, is the freedom is not there because you are working so hard in those startup phases because it's just you in the business normally, it might not be, it might be a few of you, but it's a lot of work. So there's actually very little freedom in the early days because you're working so hard. I think the mindset that helps you move into that space is there's a sort of a possibility thing there, I suppose. This is is a real chance for me to make my mark. This is a real chance for me to deliver the, the meaning and the outputs that I really want to deliver. And I think if you focus on that as an endpoint, it's always the end point for me. If you focus on that endpoint, that's what drives you to make the decision. Making that kind of meaningful difference, whatever that means for you, because for everybody it's completely different, is the the driver, the focus, the, the, the mission, if you like, that kind of pushes you to do that. So for me, the mindset thing is about focusing on the mission, the purpose of what that business will deliver.
1: Excellent. In all these stories that, that you've told me, I, I was particularly interested just to, to hear that you you were, oh, I was going to say lucky, but you don't like that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't know if you are lucky. Wait, let, fortunate um, maybe. Fortunate better. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say that uh, growing up, you had that social support in your family and maybe also in school that supported you to have this this self-worth there are things in life that are outside of our control you know that they they just happen and and you talked before about about having a a vision and working toward outcomes but how how do you deal with all this stuff that is just random and yep. <laughs> and and just happens and it could be that some of these things are do are not helping you to achieve that outcome that you're looking
2: for that is such a good question um because you're right you know there's so much that's out of your control you know lots of things are out of your control. And I think the number one thing that I've learned is to be okay with that because control is actually one of my big values. And uh, I've learned that actually from having children. And when you realize that you have very little control sometimes over what's going on and that really pushes that button, right? My control's gone. Ah! So yeah, but I think the reality is, is I think as you get older and I think as you have more experience, whether it's from a personal perspective or professional experience you know, you have ups and downs in relationships where things are out of your control. You know, that other person has some control and you have some control. But I think the thing that I've learned is to be OK with the fact that you can't control everything, to almost see that as part of the journey, to see that as part of the learning experience. Because I genuinely think that when you have a knockback, which happens all day long at running your own business, you know, you have situations where you plan a product and it gets pulled or you have a pandemic and things change. (laughs) You have to adapt. If you try and stay rigid to your own plan and you just say, okay, it's this way or no other way, you're going to be constantly disappointed. So I think you've got to sort of say to yourself, okay, this is what I'm aiming for. This is the vision. This is what I really want. It doesn't have to happen in the next three months. If it happens in the next eight months, say with COVID or something, you have to adapt that kind of expectation of what's okay. I've learned that also with parenting. You have to adapt your expectation of what you can achieve in a day as a working mom. You have to adapt your expectation of what your kids can you know, do and achieve in any given time. Mm-hmm. And you as a family also, I think everything sort of shifts. And I think you have to be a bit more flexible and a bit more open to the fact that something might not go to plan, that something might go wrong. And that's okay, it's just kind of part of the process. It's not a failure. It's just part of that learning journey. And you know, I've had situations, I've had relationships, for example, that have extraordinarily disappointed me. And that's a very, very challenging thing to deal with because like I say, there's only so much you can do in that situation because there's two people in any relationship Mm -hmm. and you're kind of reliant on them meeting your expectation. But what I've learned with that is When you do that, you're always setting yourself up to fail because you can't judge somebody else on your own values. You have to try and take a step back. You have to do that little bit of internal self-reflection, a bit of self-coaching, and you have to ask yourself questions like, hey, what's this person valuing right now? What's important to them? Why are they behaving this way? What is it that's causing them to behave this way? And you might actually get some insight as to what's going on for them. And that might give you that opportunity to release the need to control the situation. You say, actually, this is their thing, this is what they're going through. This is some vulnerability maybe that they're dealing with. I can't control that. I'm not getting the outcome I want, but that's okay. You know, Because like I say, if you kind of are judging people on your own standard or on your own values all the time, you'll be disappointed because everyone's so different everyone has a different way of doing things everyone behaves differently and that's okay that just has to be okay so yeah i think you're right i mean it's focus on what you can absolutely control is absolutely in your control because there is a lot always it's in your control who you decide to hang out with is in your control who you decide to be in a relationship is, with is in your control you know how they behave towards you is partly in your control you can do some do things about that right But you have to just kind of draw the line, I think, as to where that line is, where, you know, your control stops and their control starts. Um, And being okay when the rain blows and the, the wind comes down and everything, you know, goes to pot and then regroup and ask yourself, okay, what do I want? Am I still on track for this outcome? Is this still what I want? Whether it's the relationship or whether it's the career goal or whether it's the business goal. And then check back, okay, what have I got to deal with right now? What am I working with? How can I make this thing work, you know, within my control? And I think that's just constantly what you have to do. You have to constantly reassess what's going well, what's not going quite so well, and what can I do about that?
1: Amazing. That's really good. As you mentioned the word, the aspect of relationships, I was thinking that in our socialization, we are taught to value some relationships in a particular way and kind of like see them as that kind of relationship is one that is a bond that you cannot break but you you talked about being disappointed from relationships is it okay and if yes how do we walk away from relationships that are not serving us or that are harming us and at the same time we're kind of like thinking can i even do this is this allowed
2: what do you think look i think it's a very open question and i think you know there's 101 different relationships out there um 101 different relationship things that can go on that can go well that cannot go well um, in that situation i think the thing that i've learned from my you know experience of that is that you have to, um, there are different kinds of relationship too, because like, you know, know, it could be a work relationship where it's a transactional kind of rational kind of relationship that you have with that person, like with a boss, who might be toxic, for example, Mm -hmm. or it could be somebody in your family or immediate family where obviously that's a lot more of an emotional thing. And that's, a, you know, there are kind of um, impacts if you kind of end that relationship or impacts if you, you know, keep blowing up at birthday parties or something like that, because it's (laughs) more of an emotional kind of challenge and, and problem. But I think whatever the relationship, whoever the relationship is with, I think it's really important to take a step back from what's going on and the minutia and the arguing or the the detail of what this thing is about. Taking a step back and removing yourself from that as a sort of a situation. And again, asking yourself, okay, what do I actually want? What do I want from this relationship? Do I even want this relationship? It's the biggest question you can ask. Do I want to be involved with this person, whoever this person is? If the answer is no, then it's up to you to take control and to say, this is not working for me, these are the reasons why, these are the behaviors I don't enjoy, et cetera. If you believe that there is a path for you to work through this thing, then you need to decide what behaviors are okay for you, I think, and what behaviors are not okay for you, and you need to communicate those boundaries to that person because I've seen this happen a few times in my life with friends, actually, where there's not been clarity of communication around expectations in relationships. And then the relationship has gone south. There's a breakup. But, you know, the other person doesn't really understand why that's happened. And it's because those expectations and those challenges and those problems around boundaries have never been communicated. So the person who's kind of crossed the boundaries is unsure and unclear as to what they've done wrong because they were never sure of the boundary in the first place now obviously some boundaries are very obvious to most people like you cannot do this and you cannot do that but there are lots of nuances within boundaries that if they're important to you you must communicate them you know Mm -hmm. i hate it when you i don't know leave the toilet seat up for example it's like a small little thing but if it bugs you say something about it you know i hate that you don't do any cooking in the week if that bugs you say something about it you know, it's important that we kind of have this constant communication about what we think is okay and what we think is not okay. Because I think a lot of relationship breakdown happens because of miscommunication rather than um, anything else. Um, Certainly in kind of the smaller behavioral problem things. Mm
1: -hmm. Amazing. Thanks so much for that. um...
2: I'm not really a behavioral relationship specialist at all. (laughs)
1: Uh, I I think we're all uh, experts in in our own lives and that's yeah you know that's that's what we're talking about now I'd like to turn a little bit to what you do in terms of career coaching for women would you like to tell us a little bit more about that to our our audience
2: I would love to thank you Um, yeah I mean essentially in our business we run um, a variety of different programs we run Um, A 12-month program, we run sort of eight-week also programs, um, all in the space of career strategy and career planning and personal branding and leadership. So it's very much about deciding the outcomes that you want from your career and building up that self-worth and that courage to go for those bigger opportunities, the ones that you've been saying, I can't do, I'm not ready for, you know, I'm not good enough for, that's the kind of stuff that I want to challenge you to kind of move forward you know, and push yourself towards. So it's very much about aligning yourself with opportunities that kind of play to your strengths, that give you your best opportunities to shine, um, to stop doing the things that you just don't like doing, don't do very well, and focusing more on your strengths. And then the second piece is really building that executive presence, like I mentioned, around who do I want to be at work? How do I show up? How do I connect with people, influence people? How do I um, build visibility and credibility with key stakeholders so they know what I'm doing, so they recognize what I'm doing? Mm. I think one of the number one problems that a lot of women have in uh, my world where we start working together is they say, look, I'm just not recognized. I just feel invisible at work. I feel like um, my contribution isn't noticed. I feel like it's not meaningful. We have those kinds of conversations at first. so. You know, understanding your value is a big, big piece yeah. of that. And I think this is partly why women are often underpaid. Um, it's definitely systemic as well. But I think there's a lot that we can learn and we can um, you know, teach to help people really negotiate better deals for themselves so that mm-hmm. they're getting paid exactly what they're worth. So yeah, I mean, our, glo- our business is global. So we work with clients from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful industry to be and i absolutely love what i do <laughs> i totally agree with
1: that that's something that i uh, admire and empowering women to what is to change what's in their control because as you said yes there are systemic things barriers that are institutional or governmental but there's a lot a lot that each each woman can do to For to sure. improve their situation amazing thanks very much um so it's time to reach uh, to for me to ask you our final question and that is related to the name of our podcast audacious is the part that relates to having the audacity to do that audacious goal in the first place and the word ness describes a spit of land that juts out into the sea so the question for uh, for you is uh rebecca What in your life gives you the solid grounding to continue everything else that is in motion around you and and to deal with everything that life is throwing out at you?
2: I think the number one thing is to see it as a journey and to see it as fun and to see it as a way of learning and growing in yourself and finding out what you're really capable of. I think that in itself is really, really fun. And I think, you know, setting yourself regular projects around trying something new, doing something different, meeting different people, going to a different country. For me, variety is important. For some people, that's the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. But like, I like that idea of seeking out new growth experiences all the time and just seeing what that does for you. Because I think every single experience that you have, whatever it is, whether it's a relationship thing, a financial thing, a career thing, it all kind of creates the person that you are right now. And the thing that's really exciting, I think, is the only real control that you have is in this moment right now. It is this person that you are right now with all of that stuff that you've experienced and and learned. This is your moment. You can put that all together into this space and say, okay, now I've got all of that behind me. What can I do next with that? Who am I now? What can I do with that? And that's exciting for me because the world's your oyster, right? It's a never-ending experience of just learning and growing. Amazing. Thank you very much. Rebecca,
1: it was a pleasure to have you here, to have this conversation with you. Thanks Thank very you, much. Barbara. You're Thank welcome. You so, much. so that was an insightful uh, discussion there with um rebecca helen now now listening to that conversation especially since since you weren't there i have two questions for you the first one is like just in general what are the key things that you're taking away from it and what would you have liked uh, to ask rebecca had you been there and not <laughs> lying in bed sick <laughs>
0: yeah i mean you you asked some wonderful questions i loved listening to the interview afterwards um there were a couple of points that i would have picked up on that, that you didn't so i'll i'll mention it now one of them was when you asked her about how she she changed her career from being an employee to having her own business and and you asked her um you know to tell us a little bit more about that and she said that she was in this you know advertising in this creative industry but somehow it just didn't feel right and she said that she remembered sitting many times on the same park bench at lunchtime trying to work out what she wanted to do with herself mm-hmm. um, and, and where her passions were and I would have liked to have explored that a little bit further as to you know what was going on uh, for her while she was sitting on the park bench you know what how how was she connecting with her intuition and, you know, what, was, what was going on? How was she able to tune in to this inner wisdom and this instinct to say, this is, this is what I want to do. So, yeah, so she was saying she'd she'd been doing her own personal development and then she thought, I wonder if there's a career in that. I wonder if there's money to be made from actually from actually helping other people develop. And that's the, you know, the journey that she then went on. So yeah, I would have explored that probably mm-hmm. a little bit more because I'm very interested in, you know, I think we're here for a purpose. I think we all have a purpose, which changes mm-hmm. through through our lifetimes. But just recognizing, and I think that's part of the audaciousness aspect that we're trying to get over here recognizing what you're being called to do and what your purpose is I'm really really interested in that aspect so you know that's mm. one thing that I that I would have um, asked a little bit more about and the other thing I would have asked about which you didn't was the <laughs> the natural thing. yeah
1: <laughs> that was that that I thought about that later um uh, I don't know if it's maybe because I know how painful it is I, I'm not
0: sure <laughs> well um, I mean because because I haven't given yeah. birth before I don't have children on my own you know I'm just in awe of any woman who <laughs> has a baby you know <laughs> who goes through that experience but I just thought it was I could completely resonate with what she was saying about how animals give birth you know how kind of seamless and smooth it is they just yeah that, that um dog was that was just popping out the puppies um and and uh, you know I live in a, in a very remote location we have cows around us and I've seen cows just you know the the mother cow just birthing the calf in the field outside my house and it just doesn't seem to be a, a big thing you know yeah but I don't know I can't speak from experience obviously yeah. not given birth <laughs> myself Um. but what I thought was 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 really um, interesting about that was that she decided that that's what she wanted to do and um, you know there was the fear aspect of it because we're you know we're, we're told that, that giving birth is a is a very painful thing but she was convinced that it wasn't and so she she filled in and she talked about this later as well that fear comes from not having the knowledge and so she filled in that knowledge gap by doing lots of reading and talking to people and watching videos of what she wanted to achieve. So she had this vision in her mind of what it would be like. And, and I think this is a very important aspect for any kind of goal that you're heading towards, that you have the vision of what it is that, that you're wanting to achieve. And sometimes this can come from within, you know, the suddenly you have this vision of this is what I want. Or alternatively you go, you go away and you research it and you watch a video of what you want. And you try to achieve that. And so a little, a little way later, she, she said um, something like, um, treat your goal like a project. Start with the end vision, then work back from that, filling in the knowledge gaps on the way. And I think that's a, um, a really good way of, you know, kind of like project managing the audacious thing that you want to do start with the end in mind and I think we've had other people mentioning that already mm-hmm. um, and work back from that and as you fill in the knowledge gaps and, and and get all of the information that you need then the fear tends to subside you know it's, it's not given that it will subside because knowledge is in the head and fear is in the body um, but if you are connected with mind and body then it's likely that informing yourself of how you're gonna to get to the, to the end goal will reduce the level of fear. So there were two things that I, I would have uh, liked to have asked, uh, to ask Rebecca about had I been in the interview. But yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed the interview with her. What did you take from it, Maribel? Um,
1: well, I think that I, I want to, to go back to that point that you just um, made. Uh, in the end, and that about fear being a projection of, of lack of knowledge, I think that's a really interesting way uh, of seeing it. We've also had this conversation before of if you're afraid of something, what can you do? Like if you're afraid of um, your giving up your job and, uh, and, and starting your own business, the, usually the first thought is, what if it doesn't work? And, and then I, I lose all my investment or all my time or, or all the time that I, that I uh, put, in, put into that. And thinking through the whole process of, well, if that horrible scenario happens, what would I do? Then that creates a vision of possibilities, of strategies that you could actually apply And then suddenly that fear of that well, worst case scenario is not that big anymore. And then adding on to that, if you think that the goal is so big and you're afraid of doing that and then researching and and how how you put it, filling that information gap will lessen or or minimize that fear or, or even maybe it will go away. And in combination with that, I'm thinking that one, one factor that could help with doing stuff, even if you're afraid, is having what, what Rebecca mentioned, like having the, the trust of acting upon the things that you want to do. She, uh, she mentioned that people said that she was very lucky. And she said, well, actually, no it's not luck It's like I want to achieve something and I plan to do it. And then I do it. It's not, she's lucky. I think she, she mentioned she's that people say that she's lucky to live in Sydney and, and what when, when she hears that, what she thinks is, well, how does luck have to do with that? It was a decision and it was planned and then we did it. So she doesn't see the logic in that and I am convinced that one part of um, of being successful in achieving those goals is having that trust in yourself or Rebecca has this trust in herself that she can manage and if she doesn't know how to do something then she feels uh, the knowledge gap and then she knows how to do, do it at least one way on how to solve something or achieve something for me those uh, those two things like this it, there's no luck theory and 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 dealing with the fear were particularly interesting how she uh, views them
0: yeah that the, the thing about the luck was something that i made some notes about as well she said nothing happens by chance and i agree with that i i, I don't believe in coincidence I believe that things happen everything happens for a reason you create your own luck Um, Rebecca talked about creating her own outcomes you know what it is that you want to achieve um, and you you take steps to get there and um, you know, the universe responds. And then people who don't do that say, well, it's because you got lucky. <laughs> it's like, well, it's no. I, I worked damn hard to, you know, I, I set my vision, I knew what I wanted to achieve, and that's how I got it. It's not there's it nothing to do with luck about it. I wanted to say something about about destiny, actually, because do you remember a while ago, Maribel? You you asked on, on LinkedIn for I can't remember what you asked for, just some kind of profound statement from all of your contacts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and the first thing that came up for me was mm-hmm. stop trying to control your destiny. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to say something about um, what Rebecca said, because Rebecca said, you make your own path. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been thinking about people say things like you can you control your destiny you know you make your own path but the way that i see it and maybe rebecca does say it that that way but uh, but the way that i see it is that your destiny is for example what happened to rebecca when she was sitting on the park bench she was told or or how can i say that so she tapped into her inner wisdom and got the message that what she needs to do is help other women achieve career success. Mm-hmm. But she didn't choose that, it chose her. That's what I think. She was then responsible for choosing how to get there. So, if you were to say, you know, the analogy of saying climbing up a mountain, where you have the top of the mountain in your sight and it's your responsibility to climb up that mountain. But you don't choose the mountain. It chooses you. You know, so you look at the mountain and you say, right, that's the mountain I'm going to climb. This is my vision. This is my destiny. And then you use everything in your power to -hmm. get up that mountain. You know, so you train for it and you get the right equipment and you, you know, you, you get your knowledge and you get Help people to help you and everything like that in order to get up that mountain, but you didn't choose that mountain. And that for me is the difference between the destiny and the path. The destiny chooses you, but you choose which path to take to get to that destiny. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, I um th- that resonates with me too. Yes, I remember you telling me, don't try to force your destiny and um are those the correct words Helen how, how you said it
0: stop trying to control your destiny stop trying to control your basically destiny. let it let it come you can control the path you can control how to reach mm-hmm. it that isn't in, in your control but the the destiny itself the end result I think if you try to control that and say no I don't want to climb that mountain I want to climb another one that 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 mountain is not the one that's that's made for you it's it's the other one I think that life
1: shows us what it is that we need to do. So basically your destiny or my destiny by closing doors, you know, like you try something, but it doesn't work. And then, you know, the, just doors closing. And from my experience and what I'm trying to do now is just seeing, okay, what are the things, what are the doors that are being closed And what is this telling me? What what is it that I should do where things would just happen more naturally and with more ease? I'm going to use the example of a client that I have. This is a middle-sized company with whom I've worked a lot in the past five years. And I sent a proposal end of last year with how we could continue working, no answer. A couple of weeks later, hey, did you check out my proposal? Oh, yes, we're so full of work and whatever and blah, blah. Like, yeah, sure, no problem, but no answer. Christmas comes, I send, uh, uh, you know, like Merry Christmas and whatever. Have you looked at it? Next year, we're going to check it out next year. Mm, okay, January. Hey, have you looked at it? And then in the end of January, I thought, OK, I'm just going to wait and see. And a couple of weeks later, I get an email. I'm so sorry. We haven't you have we haven't read your proposal, but we're going to do that now. And when I received that email, I thought, hmm, I'm not going to answer back. I'm just going to wait and see because I'm tired of knocking on this door. And if it's not for me, it means that this engagement with this particular company, it's at its end and it's okay. So I'm going to be have my eyes open and see what doors want to be knocked on and, and what doors will open for me. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I got an email from a presentation that I did in January Telling me, hey Maribel, we're very interested, and and the CEO wants to meet you so that you can present your programs. And I thought, oh, there you go, <laughs> they want to work with me, maybe. Uh, so I think in that way we can observe where where the des- where destiny is taking you mm-hmm. by like realizing, okay, I I need to stop this. This is just not working, yeah. and and there must be
0: another way that flows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it shouldn't be difficult. It should be easy. And, and, and that's also reminding me of something else that, that Rebecca said about, you know, every, every two weeks or so, you, you kept um, sending your reminder, have you read the proposal yet? Because they are possibly your expectations of how you do business um, with somebody. And Rebecca, you know, said, it's adapt your expectations, be okay with not being in complete control whether that's to do with relationships with clients relationship personal relationships, situations you can't be in control of everything and so if you keep you know knocking and knocking and knocking on the door have you ready yet have you ready yet um you know just say right okay that's fine which you did you did adapt your expectations and yeah you just let go exactly let go exactly
1: you let go and and it, they're really interested at some point then they might come back.
0: I don't mm. know. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Exactly. There's one more point that I want to mention one of the note that I that I made, which I thought was lovely. And that's where she said, you are worthy of the outcome, you are deserving mm. of the outcome, you know, believe that you are worthy of it and and start building up evidence to support that belief. I just thought that was a wonderful way of doing it. Because it's it, it's it's such a confidence builder and a way of building your self-esteem. Yes. What, what, why not me? Why, why shouldn't I do this? I'm as worthy as anybody else to do this. And, you know, if if you've been sent this vision or this feeling or this, you know, your intuition is telling you that's where destiny is taking you, then of course you're worthy. You're the, the perfect person to be doing that thing.
1: I totally agree. That part, particularly that, because for people and I'm going to include myself in that who have struggled with their self-esteem and and self-confidence. You can have like these two spaces: the rational one where you see, oh yes, I've accomplished this and this and that, so I'm worthy of love or 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 accomplishing these things. But then there's like this subconscious, non-rational part where you like don't really believe it. So you're kind of like saying it, but you know, like in your heart, eh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. And if you, as Rebecca suggests, to, to build evidence that that you really are, like I'm a good person, but not being not leaving it there, but why am I a good person or a good friend? What have I done to be able to say that? Um, And then if you can, well, if a friend of mine needs help, I'm there right away. Uh, If my children need that, I help them, then I do this. Uh, If my partner, you know, and and kind of like make make that specific why you you deserve that, build that like body of evidence. I think Mm -hmm. that that's a great uh, activity to not only think, but really feel.
0: Yeah, and it's like the the body of evidence then is kind of like the plugging the knowledge gap mm. as well, which then leads to a reduction in the fear and feel, and maybe removal of the fear.
1: Oh, that's
0: nice. We've come oh, full Helen. circle.
1: Yes, I like that one, Helen. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to this episode of our podcast, Audaciousness. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. A huge thanks for participating and allowing me to ask you so many questions. Uh, Rebecca, I
0: completely enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. And if you think someone else would benefit from listening to this conversation, please pass it on to them and share it with your friends and family and your colleagues. And if you know of any other audacious people, including yourself, please get in touch as we'd love to speak to you. We'll be back in two
1: weeks with another
0: audacious person
1: and another audacious episode. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.